Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, Pickens Jackson. Are you ready? Yes! Now live from the Whiskey 61 Lounge inside the Bank Plus Studio. You are listening to Mississippi's number one sports talk show, The Out of Bounds Show with Bo Bounds. Streaming worldwide live on the Out of Bounds radio app and on your radio at ESPN 105.9. The Soul. That was a wild first hour. We are the Out of Bounds Show. I'm your host, Bo Bounds. 105.9 The Zone, ESPN. Uh, Is Tulu Griffin going head-to-head with Lane Kiffin as the uh, transfer portal king? This could be crazy. Uh, Tulu announced that he's coming back along with Jaden Crumity and uh, Bookie Watson. So that's three players that were vital members of the Mississippi State football team. That's always subject to change, but they made those announcements on Twitter that they're coming back. Now, you also have to take into account that you're going to have, you know, runners and third-party flesh peddlers continue to try to talk Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and other kids into going to the NFL draft, whether they need to or not. We had several kids go the last couple of years who were not drafted. Um, Jerry on Ely, uh, Makai Polk, um, you know, what Snoop Connor, um, who did somebody throw out Beniquez Brown? That was several years ago, but, uh, anyway, uh, you know, it's this interesting deal where you can give kids money to stay around another year legally now. And that way, if they don't make it, you know, they're not out. If they go through the process and they don't make it, they're out. Now, like Ely is on a practice squad. Some of these other guys can make a, a practice squad. That's pretty good. Um, but with the NFL, you know, minimum being whatever it is, 850000 a year, uh, that thing has skyrocketed if you can find a spot on a 53-man roster. But that's good news for Mississippi State fans. Tulu Griffin, um, Jaden Crumity. Bookie Watson, there may have been another one, announcing that they're that they're coming back. That's a good thing for for Mike Leach. Uh, Tulu made two monster plays in the Golden Egg game. He recovered a Will Rogers fumble that looked like it could go for a scoop and score. And I don't remember who was over there, Finley or Reese. Somebody did a, a what's it called, Blake? Where you you see it the eleven on eleven or yeah, the, the from the all twenty two an aerial view, yeah, or the drone, yeah. The aerial view on 
Tulu having to make up that much ground. Insane. It is insane. It is. On his touchdown pass going into halftime, he slipped down and popped back up and caught the ball. Mississippi State hasn't had many receivers that could probably do that as kind of fluidly. Yeah. Uh, you know, as as Tulu was able to do it. So and he's kind of become the just in the last 24, maybe 48 hours, he's become, and they need more. You know, Ole Miss has always had vocal players that get the selling part and the recruiting part. Um, you know, if if he takes that torch, that would be good for the Mississippi State football program. You know, 100%. he's an energetic kind of cool kid. You know, he plays a cool position. He's from Mississippi. I think they could rally around that. Um, it'll be interesting to see if the staff or in-house or whatever actually cultivates that and, and kind of pushes, you know, maybe we'll have a Twitter battle between Lane Kiffin and Tulu Griffin on who's the portal king. That's how you get the Texas job. Argue with 18 year olds on Twitter. Right. Well, he argued with a sports reporter from Columbus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what do you mean? You know, it's interesting how all this has played out. Obviously Lane is still in Oxford. Yeah. You took the Auburn job right now. Do I believe? Yeah. Do I believe that John Sokoloff did anything malicious or did he report what people he trusted and multiple sources told him? I think it's the first the, or the second. It's the latter. It's not the former. He he didn't do anything to attack Lane, right? He was just doing his job, and that's part of it. Sometimes you're right. Sometimes you're wrong. Lane's response to me is more of an indictment on him than what Sokoloff did in reporting the potential move. Yeah, and and again, I, Lane hasn't helped him. He's he's been super successful. He's like tripled down on it. I I, I because nobody can nobody where he is now is going to tell him what he needs someone to tell him, dude, stop. You know? I I mean, you can still tweet all the other stuff about the program. Yeah. And when you get a recruit, or, and, and tweet at Mike Leach or Link or yeah. Nick Saban, that kind of stuff is different. Yeah, when you're getting into like petty arguments with either you know reporters or whatever, it just yeah that it becomes very you're you make now nine million dollars, but you were making seven and change. So he got a two million dollar raise, and he lost four out of the last five. That's hard to do in in the business world. To to to. To unless lose you're for the last five, unless you're and get a two million dollar raise is <laughs> yeah. pretty damn remarkable. Yeah. Show is brought to you by the amazing steaks at Kessler Prime. You can go New York Strip, uh, you can go filet, porterhouse, um, ribeye, bone in ribeye, all at Kess- Kessler Prime in the Renaissance, KesslerPrime.com, and um, they have Tito's vodka. You can do a little Tito's and uh, let's go soda with a couple of lemons. KesslerPrime.com to make a reservation. This is 105.9 The Zone ESPN. We're streaming live on TheZone1059.com. We want you to stream the show when you're not listening on the dial. You can also download the Out of Bounds radio app. It takes about 10 seconds, and you can listen to the show anytime, anywhere. show is also presented by Edwin Watts Golf Shop on County Line Road. So Hugh Freeze is at Auburn. Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Mike Leach at Mississippi State. Mm-hmm. Mm, Boy, okay. that's a lot for uh, that's so that's so good. That's so much content, um, all tied to the state of Mississippi, uh, all successful. But you know, you can only hang around so long in this league. So, um, 
especially at the places that's just extremely difficult to win. Mike Leach won eight games with that schedule, a top 10 strength of schedule this year. And and I said he was playing with 10 going into the season. Do y'all remember that? I said, it, you take out Bama and Georgia, Leach was playing with 10 games. He won eight. Pretty yeah. damn impressive. Yeah. You know. Um, if you get Kentucky. He, they huh? were very ordinary on both sides. So, again, this goes back to Leach's genius. Uh, you Because you have the ability to, like you had no business beating Ole Miss the other night. Yeah. Your, your quarterback, the most important position on the field did not play well. Think about think of the last several egg bowls, golden eggs, how well quarterbacks have played. Matt Corral. Back to back. Even Garrett Schrader, his freshman year, made some big plays in the second half. Okay? Year before that, Nick Fitzgerald made some huge plays. Right? Um, you've had Chad Kelly make big plays. Yeah. Bo Wallace, Dak Prescott. Uh Chris Chris Relf was unbelievable in the golden egg game. Yeah. I mean, he had like somebody Charted. I don't know how many runs he had over 15 yards. It was sick. Uh, Eli had big plays. Um, you know, the list goes on and on. Mm-hmm. Now, I know we're more quarterback-driven post-Eli and post-Dan and Hugh, but to go over there and win the game when your quarterback didn't play well, because you can throw the ball. Like, if you were if you were Bowie Davis offense of Jackie Sherrill, you know, it's just harder when when you're when you're turning the ball over and doing all those things. But even with everything going against him, Will was able to throw a touchdown pass to Tulu and a touchdown pass to Rara. Yeah, these are great names. Um, and so you think about that. That's what Cohen was trying to hit on. I know he, he may be a bad word in this state. May not be. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but your ability—you never had the ability to throw a forward pass. For a hundred no. years, no. Now, when you're in a close game or you're down, you were down nine points to Ole Miss on the road and playing terrible. Now, say that out loud. You were down nine points against Ole Miss on the road, and the most important position on the field was not playing well, and yet you were able to win. Why is that? And it's not like you have some kind of great transcendent player. I mean, Emmanuel Forbes is a really good player, but consider where he plays. Right? He's not the quarterback, he's not the edge rusher, and he's not a wide receiver one. Or even a running back one. You know, that you can be involved in in just about every play. Show is powered by Mississippi SportsMedicine.com. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus on NFL QBs, 830 on the Yingling Lager Guest Line. I have to tell you about this game-changing product I use before a night out with drinks. It's called Z-Biotics. Let's face it, after a night out with drinks, I don't bounce back the next day like I used to, and I have to make a choice. I can either have a great night or a great next day, and that is until I found Z-Biotics. Every time I have a Z-Biotics before drinks, I notice a difference the next day. Even after a night out, I can confidently plan on hosting this show and being awesome without worry. Look, I won't lie. I was a bit on the fence about Z-Biotics initially, but then while hanging out with friends over cocktails, I gave it a shot. And believe me, it is the real deal. Go to zbiotics.com slash OOB to get 15% off your first order when you use OOB at checkout. 
Remember to head to zbiotics.com slash OOB and use the code OOB at checkout for 15% off. Thank you, Zbiotics, for sponsoring this episode and our good times. Well, one thing we know is Hugh Freeze loves Auburn. Blake? I'll believe in Auburn and love it. War Eagle. There you go. Just in case any of y'all were questioning Freeze and uh, his loyalty and commitment. Hugh Freeze is now the head football coach at Auburn. Lane Kiffin at Ole Miss. Mike Leach at Mississippi State. We've got some characters and personalities, and I like it. And talent. And talent, talent at the coaching talent position. Talented coaches, all three. That's the problem. All three will probably end up in the College Football Hall of Fame. Leach definitely. Well, I don't know if politics will keep him out. You know, because he befriended Trump 15 years ago, long before he ever knew Trump was going to, or did he care, uh, run for, you know, office. But I, I don't think politics will keep him out. But, you know, that group on game day is something. And Herb Street kind of drives the show and um in college football and they've become elitist. But that that I don't know, man. He's gonna end up winning 160, 170 ball games at Texas Tech, Washington State, and Mississippi State. And, you know, so those we'll always ask the question, you know, what if with Mike at a blue blood? You know, you drop Mike at LSU. Can you imagine Leach running the air raid with those receivers? <laughs> In that defense? <laughs> Good grief. <laughs> Good be insane. Lord. Oh, man. He'd be, uh, you know, if you dropped Mike, Mike's the guy that could go into, like, Texas. You know, Texas hasn't been able to figure it out. Um, Mike Brown's last few years, head scratcher, something it just, wow. Charlie Strong couldn't get it going. Tom Herman, I mean, Herman was like, 32 and 18 or something. They ran him. Maybe even a little bit better than that. Uh, and now Sark is okay. No, he's not even okay. He, he He's below expectations. Yes, correct. You drop Leach. Of course, Kiffin could obviously win at Texas. You drop either one of those guys there. It, it could get real fast. And they could turn around A&M in, in 24 hours, too. Uh, and, and nobody's really, other than Cheryl, you know, Texas had to run... Cheryl out because he beat him five times in a row. They they uh, again they got him tripped up on a uh, he got a kid a cheeseburger and a bicycle, and um, <laughs> they ran him out of town. Um, those Texas boosters got in the back room of some you know mahogany bar. Ooh, I bet that was rustic and rural in nineteen eighty five or six, and said we got to get this man fired, set it up. Um, so run him out. Yeah. Uh, but really, they haven't. I mean, I mean, Leach and Kiffin could go to A and M and win big. Win big. I I always do now that same like, with you, baby. Now that we talk about it, it's like, can A and M do it? Can they actually put it together? I don't know, man. That that's not a question. It's like, like would a good coach go there and win? Like you know, I guess like a top one percent coach can win anywhere. Is the argument? I think so. So, but the problem is that's. Ten guys at any given moment out of a hundred and 
you know, 60 at the right. power, you know, whatever it is. Right. Like that's. I think you could drop Leach, Kiffin, Freeze, Gary Patterson, Mike Gundy type oh. coaches that they have done more with less over and over and over. Like if you do it one year, that's fine. Yeah. But when you do it for like Saban couldn't win big at Washington State. Yeah. It's not he's not he's not wired like that. Yeah. He needs to be, you know, but he's also the greatest program builder of all time. But you can do that at LSU and Bama. Yeah. I mean, he had a nice little run at Michigan State. But if you think the Big Ten's weak now, oh. I mean, it, it, dude, 1998, 99, when he was there, I mean, the Big Ten's awful, right? Yes. I mean, Joe Tiller, no, Joe Tiller, yeah. Joe Tiller went up and kind of ran a version of, uh, you know, the spread up there at Purdue with Drew Brees with no talent. Like, Mississippi Gulf Coast Community College has better athletes Ooh. Than Purdue in 1998, oh. and 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 he won games. They didn't know what to do when Breeze and Joe Tiller just decided to spread it out a little bit and throw it. Like, yeah, I, I and I get that. I it A and M is just a weird, weird anomaly at this point because they have every recipe and yet have not got like they have every ingredient. Excuse me, but they haven't got got have not gotten the recipe right, and that's the weird part. That's that's the part that doesn't make sense. Well, let's, they're they're better than all these other teams that are having more success than them. In theory, they have more resources, more talent, more you know, and yet State, Ole Miss, Arkansas is kind of blowing them by. It feels like at different times over the last ten years. Yeah, will that change with Connor Wigman? Oh, uh, let's drop some bar two audio. The show is brought to you by Rick's Pro Trucks, spraying bedliners, lift kits. Blake just got his uh, a set of tires for his uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee from RPT and Gluckstadt. Rickspro.truck.com. Also, Went McGee, the mortgage man. Went McGee, mortgagemanms.com, baby. This is day bar two on the show yesterday discussing coach effect with Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. Leach got a plus one Thursday night uh, yep. winning the golden egg in Oxford yep. on the road. Yeah, that okay. is exactly right. That is exactly right. I think he ended the season at plus two, and I think, Lane ended at plus one. They were both. They were both, Mississippi State's schedule was uh, was graded a whole lot tougher coming in. So um, I, that that's really the difference there. Uh, but I think Ole Miss. I think Lane was at, at plus one as well. Um, but okay. uh, you know, o- overall eight and four plus two for Leach uh, with that schedule. I mean, come on, probably would have won the Big Ten West, right? Both of them, Ole Miss and Mississippi State, probably would have won the Big Ten uh, West and, and, and probably one of the ACC divisions uh, as well. So uh, that's the uh, – we've always talked about it. That's the trouble of being stuck in the SEC West. It is flat out brutal. And no matter what everybody says, I still say it's underrated. It is the uh, the most brutal gauntlet in all of sports. And it got harder. And it just got more difficult. You're exactly right with Hugh Freeze going off. Now, we're about to break up the divisions. Thank goodness. Of course, I don't know how to run the numbers on that, guys. Because with Oklahoma and Texas coming in, at the same time we break up the divisions where you don't have to play the West gauntlet every year. The reason why the West is so far superior than the East, for example, is your bottom what is considered your bottom three teams, although Mississippi State and Ole Miss have been finishing 
over Auburn and A&M at times. But Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Arkansas all recruit in the top 30, uh, top 25. Mississippi State and Arkansas around 25. Ole Miss is around 20. The bottom in the East is Bandy, Missouri, and Kentucky. And it's just unbelievable how good the three teams, MSU, Ole Miss, and Arkansas, are considering they're outside of the the big boys in the West. I guess you should put A&M there, even though they have 100 times more resources than the other three. But the, the, the playing field continues to be leveled, I guess, maybe, Blake, through TV money and so on. Yeah, I think that's a little bit. I think... There's what there is something to be said about kind of once you pass a certain number, it's all gravy, right? Does it really matter? Uh, you know, we're seeing the. Does where, a third deck on Texas A and M Stadium help you win a game? No, where where it helps you is consistently being able to refill an NIL pool. Yeah, that's going to be where moving forward the new modern era of because you're right in terms of university resources, it's pretty much even across the board at this point. But in terms of what the new booster NIL culture resource will look like, that's going to be the new differing point. Now, I think, I think someone is throwing, I can't remember who it is, is talking about how many busts. We, there course are there so are. many busts in NIL. But I mean, I mean, I'm sorry, in the transfer portal slash NIL. It's that way in the NFL, too, though. That's right. I mean, you're, and those people spend so if the hundreds of millions. So if the hit rate is 30%. If your hit rate is 30%, you have 40%, to, You maybe. have to do something on your program that makes you above the average because there's some teams out there that are going to be below the average. That's right. As Carlin says, if you're an average person, that means half the world's dumber than you. Right. Right? Like, right. that's that's the idea. If you're Lane Kiffin, you have to make sure that you're 45% and the rest of the country can be 15%. That's true. It's going to be difficult to do. The show is brought to you by the uh, Añejo Patron at your local wine and spirit store. Hey guys, listen up. This is the SEC Insider Hit, powered by Miss Kelly Furniture, Mississippi's number one, number one sleep store. Uh, the Out of Bounds Show is brought to you by the awesome selection of Boar's Head premium meats, cheeses, and hummus at any corner market grocery store in the state of Mississippi including their new one in Macomb and another new one coming uh, soon in Starkville, Mississippi. But Corner Market Grocery Store, Northside Drive, Fondren, and Bellhaven. Woo! This is the Out of Bounds Show, 105.9 The Zone ESPN. We're streaming live for you on thezone1059.com and the Out of Bounds radio app. You can watch the show right now on YouTube. Watch the show on our YouTube channel. Search Out of Bounds Sports. We welcome in... Uh, NFL insider Steve Palazzolo, uh, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. And uh, Steve joins us on the Yingling Lager guest line. All right, Steve Palazzolo, I want to talk about uh, Dak Prescott's first half stats compared to his second half stats the last couple of weeks. Um, In the first half, some struggles. Second half, red hot. What do y'all see at Pro Football Focus? Yeah, I mean, it's, sometimes it's tough to to sort out first and second half splits, or you know, to build a a story off of it. Sometimes it's just how how guys, you know, just how things are trending or whatever it might be. But I think overall, Dak's playing really well. You know, certainly the Cowboys' offense has been 
uh, much better since he's come back and much better since, uh, you know, the Cooper Rush weeks. And I think that was that was what I think made those Cooper Rush weeks, you know, really encouraging for the Cowboys was, you know, okay, Dak's going to come back. The offense is going to be better. We know we've got one of the best defenses in the NFL. But, yeah, I think Dak's throwing the ball well, making good decisions. And, you know, even even on Thanksgiving, you know, a couple – fluky type of plays in the first half those two interceptions but but he comes back strong so I think overall the the Dallas offense is getting better and better it's good to see Michael Gallup you know getting more involved there and I think they're uh they're starting to peak at the right time where do you have the Dallas Cowboys in your NFC power rankings yeah I mean I think I mean honestly I think they're a better team than the Vikings right so I think you look at Dallas at eight and three and the Vikings are nine and two. A lot of people just, their power rankings are basically just record, right? It's like, Oh, the Eagles have to be one. They're 10 and one. And then give me the nine and two teams. But I, I really think it's the Cowboys and the Eagles uh, atop, atop the NFC right now. And probably the 49ers, you know, once they, you know, if they continue to um, find their groove and, and, and play well. So I think it's, but I think the Eagles and Cowboys look like the two best teams They're You know, the, the Cowboys now have the ability to win, multiple ways the Eagles have shown their ability to win no matter in in every different style with the run game with the pass game with pass defense whatever it might be um, we'll see with the Vikings they've got another tough one with the Jets I think I've always just kind of been expecting them to taper off a little bit I think they will at some point so I think it's I think it's Eagles and Cowboys atop the the NFC right now okay we we always talk NFL quarterbacks with you and you know Dak Prescott leads the way a lot of times. Here he is, whatever he is, six years in, and he's had a lot of success. There's been some bumps in the road. But, you know, he you, you've mentioned sometimes quarterbacks are what they are at some point. So how do you balance that? Where, where can he get a little bit better, Steve? Or, or can he? Yeah. No, I think anybody can. You know, I think for Dak... You know, if you look at his turnover-worthy play rate, you know, that's something we do. We don't necessarily look at interceptions, you know, but, like, on the surface last year, if you include the, include the playoffs, he had 38 touchdowns and 11 interceptions, which looks exceptional on the surface, right? Um, but there was also – there was a little top-heavy in a couple games. They beat up on the Eagles' backups at the end. You know, that helps. But the turnover-worthy play rate for Dak has been over 3% for the last four years, including, you know, his injury, uh, injury season of 2020. And you see the best quarterbacks, not at 3%, but closer to 2%, right? So that sounds, sounds minuscule, but we're talking about a handful of plays here and there where I think Dak could do a better job of taking care of the ball. And that includes, you know, bad fumbles, not just passes that should be intercepted. So if we're talking about, hey, you know, six years into his career, seven years into his career, where should Dak be improving? I think that's one of them. And I think last year, I know he was injured in the whole thing, but he did go through that stretch where he was putting the ball in harm's way a ton um, in, the, in, in the second half of the season. And even this year, in his six games, he's got four of them with two turnover-worthy plays or more. Now, again, sometimes they don't show up on the stat sheet or sometimes they're, they're not picked off or whatever it is. But I think that would be one place where if Dak could do just, you know, one pass per game that, you know, that he could have back, I think that could go a long way into, uh, you know, creating a more efficient offense. Okay. Do you think that this is a, 
that they have the ability to get to the NFC Championship game. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, just just like they did last year. I mean, it's it, at this point of the season, you're saying, do the, does this team have the pieces? Dallas had the pieces last year. They just laid an egg against San Francisco at home in the playoffs. You know, they just they have to play better once they once they get into the tournament, so to speak. So once again with a, a guy like Micah Parsons, who is a game changer on defense, what that does for the rest of the pass rush. Dan Quinn's done a really nice job there. They could cover on the back end. And then offensively, we've seen them, you know, get Tony Pollard involved a little bit more. Maybe take the ball out of Zeke's hands and use him in more favorable situations along the goal line. All of that stuff is good as, this, as, as the Cowboys come together, figure out what they are, and then the pass offense getting better and better as the weeks go on. You get a little bit more from Gallup, as I mentioned, as C.D. Lamb emerges as the number one. You get a number two tight end like Jake Ferguson creating after the catch as a, as a rookie. So a lot of my early season questions, you know, who, who's going to produce uh, outside or, or just at, you know, as a receiver, I think they're starting to answer those. So I think the Cowboys, absolutely, they've got all the pieces in place and they can make a run this year just like they could have last year. Oh, man. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com, on the Yingling Lager guest line. So, uh, where would you where would you rank um, Dan Quinn, the Dallas defensive coordinator, as far as coordinators in the NFL? Yeah, I don't have a coordinator, you know, coordinator ranking off the top of my head. I'll say this, though. I think he's getting head coach opportunity probably at the end of the season. I think I think people are going to look at Quinn and, you know, whether it's Indianapolis and or, you know, whatever whatever jobs are available. I, I think Dan Quinn's going to be at the top of the list for, for some teams because he, he was – he had some success in Atlanta. But I think what I'm most impressed about is, you know, he came from this Seattle Seahawks tree where – they really just played the same coverage over and over and over again. And that's how we coach football for the Falcons. And that sounds bad, but it's not, you know, it, it was a successful strategy in Seattle and a couple other places. But Quinn has really evolved quite a bit with the Cowboys. He's stunting and uh, twisting more than any coach in the league right now defensively. He's, he's taken a, a, you know, it must be nice to have a Micah Parsons, but you have to credit him for not just saying, hey, Micah, you're just going to play linebacker. You know, he has adjusted to Micah Parsons' skill set and adjusted everything else around him. So I think that's been the most impressive thing is this this next time around as a defensive coordinator, I think I think we've seen much more versatility from Dan Quinn. And I think that's helped the Cowboys quite a bit. They've got decent personnel. And, um, yeah, I think Quinn's going to – I think he's been one of the best defensive coordinators in the league now the last couple of years. And I think he'll get a look as a head coach and, and you know, at least get interviewed as a head coach coming this offseason. Sure. Boy, he's done a great job. Um, and had a hell of a career with the Seahawks. And, I mean, good grief. If he wins that Super Bowl game against the Patriots, yeah. we're talking about a totally uh, – you know, he's just – he's con- we put him on another level and pedestal, but anyway, it didn't work out. Uh, Aaron Rodgers, 4-8. and eight. Um, They're 1-5 and five in the division. Where do you see this going, Steve? Man, I mean, I think – I think if you, if you ask me today, which you are um, – I think I see Rodgers maybe getting traded at the end of the season. Um, I don't think Rodgers wants to end his career on the 2022 season. You know, there's there's a difference between what Rodgers is going through and what, like, say, Tom Brady's going through right now than Peyton Manning and Drew Brees. 
Peyton Manning and Drew Brees had clear physical limitations at the end of their respective careers. Rodgers and Brady do not. You know, Rodgers is still whipping the ball around. He's still physically there. Um, you know, does he miss more throws than he has in the past? Absolutely. Has the situation made things a little bit worse? Absolutely. But I think Rodgers is going to evaluate himself at the end of the year and say, I can still play. That was a rough season. But I think things that may have run their course in Green Bay. You know, the, the, the big discussion this offseason was, yeah, you, you lost Devontae Adams, but the Packers are going to put together the best defense they've had in 10 years. So don't worry. We'll make up for it on defense. And their defense has been terrible. We just saw it on Sunday night. They gave up 360 yards on the ground. That's been a consistent theme. So I don't think Rodgers or the Packers are going to put together the – I don't think Rodgers is going to see this team put together in Green Bay in 2023 that's going to be encouraging. And I think the Packers might just look at this and say, all right, we need to cut ties now because we don't have the you know financial ability to – to build the team around Aaron Rodgers. We'll take a $40 million cap hit, which is better than a $100 million cap hit after 2023. I think we might see them just part ways and Aaron Rodgers goes to the Jets or the Commanders or whoever it is this offseason and tries to give it one more go. Wow. Okay. Out of bounds, ESPN 105.9 The Zone, Steve Palazzolo, a pro football focus, pff.com. What about when you look at the Titans, well, first of all, the Titans and the Eagles this weekend, you know, and, and what Vrabel's doing there. Um, they they move off A.J. Brown, which was a terrible decision, but they're still 7-4. and four. They don't have a big-time quarterback. Can you imagine if, like, some things lined up in, in Nashville for Vrabel and he even had a top 12 QB and they – they locked in on another big-time offensive skill weapon like an A.J. Brown, what he could do with that team? I mean, I think Tannehill was top 12 the last couple of years, and then he had A.J. Brown. Look, they're good. I mean, the Titans are good. I've been so impressed with what Mike Vrabel has done with all the injuries and everything. The Titans are a tough team to figure out, though, because none of the none of your baseline metrics scream, you know, contender. Um, but that was the same thing last year, and they had the number one seed they're always good at the things that are, are generally tough to sustain, like red zone offense and defense and, you know, just situational football. And, and I think that's where you have to credit Brable and his coaching staff and everything they've done. Now, when you look at the Titans, they haven't done a lot against good teams. Um, and I think that's a, you know, that's a factor. They got smoked by the Bills. They, they ended up losing to the Chiefs, even though it was an overtime. They lose to the Bengals. They lost to the Giants. Any team with a, with a decent record, when the Titans have lost. So that's even though it's it's not a conference game, it's a big game against the Eagles. The Titans have to prove that they can beat good teams. They still have to play Dallas. They still have to play the Chargers. They get the Jaguars twice. The Titans have to prove that they can beat some good teams. But I, I'm so impressed with what with what Vrabel's done because I do think he came into the season with a with a worse roster than he had last year. Yeah, without AJ Brown, without a, a tangible replacement and an offensive line that was still an overhaul that doesn't pass the tech really well. So I'm impressed with the Titans, how they play football, the physical brands that they play. But now it's got to translate into wins against good teams. That's where I think they've, they've been a step behind so far this year. Okay, if Steve Palazzolo was a general manager and you could hire any of the coaches in the league right now, head coaches, who would you hire today? Uh, probably Andy Reid. 
All right, take out Andy Reid. Hold on, hold on. Take out Andy Reid. Take out Andy Reid and Bill Belichick. Yeah, um, take take out those two because they're veterans. They're obviously both great Hall of Famers. Right. I'm interested to see if you go Mike McDaniel's, Vrabel, Shanahan, someone else. Who would Steve Palazzolo hire? So Kyle Shanahan and Mike Vrabel are the two that that leap to mind. Mike McDaniel could be there quickly, though. Got to be honest. But I think I think Shanahan. Shanahan is probably the guy I would lean to because he's just always created offense, no matter who you've given him at quarterback. And I think if, if you're giving me a head coach, I love that as a, as a foundation. If you want to – now, I would work with Shanahan on, on his, uh, you know, game management and aggressiveness and some of these other things. But I think the baseline of I could put a quarterback into my system and produce offense, run game and pass game, is an awesome starting point. Rabel is different in that you give me, you know, third string corners and I'll motivate them to play well, you know, and that's, that's really valuable too. Rabel feels very much like a Mike Tomlin in this. Uh, we're just going to have a really high baseline every single year. And in the years that you give me the best team, we have a chance to win it all. So I think it's Kyle Shanahan and Rabel that are at the top of my list. I love both those right guys, now. but Blake and I have fallen in love with Mike McDaniels. Like every every clip no, that no, we see fine. of him, yeah. we bookmark on Twitter and we we watch it. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the guy, you know, we started talking about him last year. I know you've known about him for years, but but we started talking about him last year. I mean, the fact that Mike McDaniels, the head coach of the Dolphins, played wide receiver at Yale and then worked his way into the league, and he's just a little freak and a little genius, and he's so damn funny. Yeah, did you see that clip of I'm sure you did. Well, I don't know. You actually have a job. We don't really. But uh, did you see that <laughs> clip of Mike McDaniels talking to Tua Tonga-Valoa on the sideline? And they were talking about YouTube and each other. And and McDaniels was like, man, I, I pulled you up on YouTube at, from high school. And holy smokes, your fundamentals were awful. No, I didn't see that part. I, I, I he used another word, Blake. What told. was it? Not fundamentals. Uh, he Mechanics. Mechanics. Mechanics were terrible. Mechanics. That's what he said. Did you see that? I, I did see the clip. No, I didn't see that one in particular. Was that attached to when they said McDaniel pulled like 700 plays to build to his confidence or whatever it was? And no. All right. So, all and, and you know what's funny them, about but... this? It's in a game. Like Tua is is yeah. in uniform, and Mike McDaniel's is telling him, "Hey, I you you know when you told me you YouTubed me, I YouTubed you and realized that your mechanics were terrible in high school." And they started laughing about it. <laughs> It's great, man. I mean, that was like Joe Montana, you know, pointing out John Candy in the stands right before the game-winning drive against the Bengals in the Super Bowl, right? Like, you just find ways to, to relax in tense moments. I, I, that is part of what seems like McDaniel's genius, right? His, his it, it is. Keep it loose, but also just be a good X's and O's guy as well. You know, and I'm so impressed with what those two have been able to do and the chemistry and and McDaniel's talking about what all he's done with Tua. Um yeah, that guy's a little freak. Blake, you got? Yeah. Do you have a uh, question it's, for Steve Palazzolo on the Yingling Lager guest line? It's funny you went to McDaniel because I was thinking I was going to ask my question about Mike McDaniel before you even asked him about who you know he likes as a head coach. <laughs> I don't know that I you watch way more and you know way more coaches. To me, he is so unique and so different in the way that he relates to players and especially the quarterback position. And all the stuff that's come out with all the negativity that was around Tua and his approach of just being like, hey, we'll just maximize everything you do well. And and we're going to focus on being good and we're going to find out what you do well. I know other coaches do that in different ways, but his vocal kind of 
way of approaching it. It's is there another guy that's like him? Has there been another guy like him in the league that you can think of? Uh, to me, it's just a so openly different way to approach coaching a game that we've always said is about being tougher and more <laughs> aggressive and more physical and more mean. Well, well, the funny thing is, so Kyle Kyle Shanahan, who I was just talking about, hey, he always creates offense and maximizes his team and all that stuff. Kyle's personality, I don't think, is anything like McDaniel's. I mean, they were working together hand in hand for years, but Kyle's known for being in the film room being like, what are you doing, dude? Why'd you miss this throw? Why'd you, you know, just, you know, it was pretty harsh, you know, at times, I believe. Um, and the fact, and I don't know, maybe McDaniel is, maybe there's tough love in there too. And we only see the, you know, the fun part of it, but um, I don't know. I mean, the, the McDaniel stuff is fascinating because middle of last season, all of a sudden he's doing press conferences. He wasn't talking a whole lot before that. And it was like his brand was built in the middle of last season, doing these press conferences for the Niners as offensive coordinator. And everybody's believing what you guys believe. He's funny and this and that. And I think he is. It's just funny that I think we've only seen the good side of him. Uh, maybe there is a bad side. Maybe there is a, a, a tough love type of side. I'm not really sure. But, um, yeah, he definitely is unique in what we've seen through the years. I, I don't know that his style is is the only answer, right, because you do have a college oh, sure. who's tough on his quarterback and gets results. But uh, McDaniel has definitely probably opened opened eyes as to what the CEO, right? That's what head coach is, what the CEO of your football team should look like because he's got that uh, Gen Z type of approach that seems to be working so far. And and the protege mentor played this weekend. I can't wait. I think that's... Oh, it's going to be awesome. Oh, it's going to be awesome. I think that's so cool for our listeners. Dolphins 49ers on Fox at 3.05. And I'm here for that. Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus on the Out of Bounds Show. Steve, is Russell Wilson a shot fighter? Shot fighter, as in is is he done. done or or is it yeah is it the environment and what's going on around him or is is he done and on the 18th hole? Oh, it's tough to say he's done. I mean, the guy's 34 years old. He just turned 34 uh, a couple of days ago. Um, he looks it looks terrible. I mean, it looks horrible. Everything looks bad and. But and physically, he's gotten a little bit worse too, which is which is a concern. Where a lot of quarterbacks are doing. Matt Ryan's looking bad physically, but the dude's thirty-eight, right? Um, and we're talking about Rodgers and Brady never looking bad physically, and you know, changing the game there. But I, I think at the end of the season, the Broncos they're they're tied to Wilson. They have to make Russell Wilson work. I think at the end of the season, they're going to say we have to get somebody in here who's had success with him, and you know, Daryl Bevel or. Ryan Schottenheimer, somebody. And it's ironic because those are the guys that Seattle fans were trying to run out of town because they weren't using Russ well enough. But I really think the Broncos have to maximize this thing. There's a little bit of Russ's shot, and there's a little bit of, okay, they're trying to put him into Nathaniel Hackett's offense, and maybe it's just not going to work at all. So I feel like they have to go to somebody that has had success with Russell Wilson and bring him in and try to rejuvenate him. I'm not ready to write him off because he's young and he's he's still just a couple of years removed from being good, but the trend line is terrible. He's gotten worse and worse since the middle of 2020, whatever that is. Mm. He's gotten worse and worse, and uh, it's not looking good right now. Deshaun Watson on the field this weekend with the Cleveland Browns. What are your expectations? I would assume he's got to be a little rusty. He's got 
700 days since he's played football, other than the five passes in the preseason. But uh, but the Browns have the ability to kind of make life easy for him and uh, run the ball with Nick Chubb and work play action and just, you know, some basic concepts. So I think he'll look fine. You know, Watson, he was was a very good quarterback who I think took a massive step forward in 2020, despite the team taking a big step back. That was his best season. 90-plus PFF grade took better care of the ball. They only won four games, but I think you saw his star power on the field. So I think uh, could be a little rusty. Might take him a couple weeks to get back, but I think once he gets going, Watson you know, does elevate that Browns offense. That's already been pretty good with Jacoby Brissett. I've got a minute. Is Trevor Lawrence a bust? Is that is that extreme? Is it just because the no. Jaguars are dysfunctional, or is he playing, according to your tape and analytics, is he playing good football, Steve? No, he's playing much better in recent weeks. I think if you asked me this three weeks ago, I think we're having more of a conversation. But the last three weeks, he's been he's been fantastic, including that that game winning drive. Like that was the, the game winning drive he had against the Ravens last week. That was the thing I've been waiting for. I thought that was going to show up in week one of his rookie season, Trevor Lawrence. He'd have some rookie bumps and you know along the way, but I always thought that he would be able to just you know zip the ball in there twenty yards at a time and win some games. We finally saw him do that. So. Lawrence is on the right track, I think. Would uh, ten seconds? Would you take Trevor Lawrence or Tua Tonga Valoa today? I take Trevor Lawrence. Okay, cool. Potential uh, still there. All right, um, Dak for MVP. Have a great weekend. Oh yeah, yeah. See Good you, buddy. <laughs> Steve Palazzolo, Pro Football Focus, PFF.com. on the Out of Bounds Show. And the interview was brought to you by Patron Tequila. Check out uh, Patron Reposado, Patron Añejo, or Patron Extra Añejo at Briarwood Wine and Spirits or your local wine and spirit shop. Good morning. Welcome in. We've got some delicious audio straight ahead on Kiffin and Breeze. 